0: Welcome to Where Wine Takes You, a wine podcast that is all about the why, the stories, the people, the who, the where. In this case, that where is Paso Robles Wine Country. I'm your host, Adam Montiel. Thank you for making this wine podcast what it is. We were number one in Uzbekistan. No freaking joke. Where Wine Takes You in Uzbekistan. I absolutely love it. We're downloaded in all 50 states. Over 100 countries have played Where Wine Takes You, and it couldn't make the folks behind this podcast and this wine region more pleased. So thank you very, very much. Please, if you can, subscribe, rate five stars, even leave a review for the podcast. It means so much. Latest review comes from Dap J77 from New York. Adam does a fantastic job bringing the listener into the world of Paso wine and the overall Paso experience. I live in New York and have been to Paso twice. I await each podcast to learn of new wines and new potential experiences. It's so much fun to listen to the winery owners, winemakers, and others in the industry that make this such an enjoyable world to explore. Keep them coming, Adam. Great job. Thank you, Dap J77 from new york for your review of the podcast cheers to you all right way back in episode 24 we introduced you to matt trevison it's an episode i think titled old school blends and that was one of the most popular episodes one of the most real episodes we have done still get feedback and that was way back episode number 24 we got matt trevison back again not only matt trevison but an old childhood friend of his who now is making wine himself. So meeting Cliff from Zapeto Wines is not only gonna be interesting because you know we love tasting new stuff, and it's been a while since I tasted something new that just like knocked my freaking socks off. So I can't wait to introduce you to this brand, but I can't wait to get an insight and look at Matt through Cliff's lens, knowing him for a long time, seeing this journey, and being so inspired to have one of his own. But let me tell you, just because Cliff has known Matt for a long time, that doesn't mean that Matt's going to let him off easy. No, he's going to have to earn his keep and earn this life that is a winemaker, a producer, a grower of world-class wine in Paso. So I can't wait to get into this conversation. I do wanna let you know our Travel Paso Spotlight. We're gonna to talk to Rich from Cal Coast Beer. The beer scene in Paso, of course, it's insane. I mean, leading the way, Firestone, we got great names like Barrel House and great spots. Well, Cal Coast Beer has got a campus downtown that has event space kind of this cool 70s vibe with the den. The beer is fun, the food is fun, the people are great. I can't wait to introduce you to Cal Coast Beer, and that will be our Travel passo Spotlight after our conversation today. So much conversation to get into, I wanna jump right in. I show up to Lene Colotto, Matt, Cliff, and I walk through the library, pick out some wines that we're gonna drink for the show, and then we end up in the same room. I'm sitting in the same seat, as I did maybe two years ago, the last time that Matt Trevison was on the podcast. I do encourage you to go listen to that episode, episode 24. It's, it's mandatory listening. You got to check it out. But I can't wait to jump right back into it again. I feel like it's been too long. Last time I chatted with him, I couldn't wait to do it again. So let's go.
1: Give me that sound we'll get by we on till the job is done. in the trees it will simplify good company
2: You don't have me on a five second uh, delay delay just no. in case I use curse words.
0: You can use curse words. There's no FCC here, baby. We're all righty. I think we probably cursed a few times in the first podcast. Probably
2: did. Yeah.
0: Did you have fun the first podcast?
2: I had a great time. I guess you had. I guess you're having me back. So that's. Yeah, I've, cool had, I've had. I've uh, had. I've had a lot of people tell me that was a great podcast, and Did that uh, that I had a. Actually, had a had a uh, kid here the other week that uh, that wanted to meet me and ask me some questions about becoming a winemaker and you know just really business plan stuff and kind of kind of. You know, shoot for the stars, and, and it was kind of cool to to hear him uh, tell me how he listened to that podcast no and, and how really? it inspired him, and that was really awesome. Oh my god, I'm like, it, I'm so it flattered. It's a like, little bit. yeah, yeah, really cool.
0: I have so many great, so much great feedback on that podcast because you were so real. That was just like so
2: real. Well, let's keep it up.
0: Yeah, you know, it was really cool. We, um, I took some of that audio. And I played it for Justin when I had him on just recently. I don't know if you heard that at all.
2: I I did not. I did I, for, I, I did hear people right tell me something about it, and I just you know was I'm great. I'm a little uh, I don't know if the word's reclusive or yeah or like uh, fearful of of like I just kind of you don't want to make waves. Yeah,
0: I which just, you didn't know. You were just, really, you were really polite. If I mean, of course, you remember the yeah. podcast, and you were great. But I mean, it was really cool to see him listen to it and be like, "Wow!" And it was funny because you know he's, you know, also a little shy. And when he knew I'm about to play that audio, and he was like, "Well, you literally have it. Like, wait a minute, you're gonna you're gonna put me on the spot right now, you know?" So, yeah. but he, he was a great sport, and it was great. What you were saying was fantastic. So, good. It was cool because we opened some. We opened that first wine. We
2: open, you opened 98?
0: We opened 98 yeah, together, yeah, 98, you James. Oh yeah, yeah, we did. We yeah, did.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I got to That's talk right. to
0: him about that and then play that audio from you. I wonder if one of these has it. Let me see. Oh, this is a 1998 Nene yeah. Colodo James Berry Vineyard. Yeah. 90% Syrah, 5 Grenache, 5 Moved. This was made by you and Justin, the back of the bottle. I've yeah. never seen this before. Partnership of the Smith
2: and Trevison families. Yep templeton california that was a long time ago the wine so it tastes great yeah yeah it's a it's uh it's fun to revisit when we made these wines back then yeah it's it's just a a a liquid photograph of of a time period of an experience that we had a journey and a, a starting point and it means a lot to me to see it every every uh so often
0: I love the way you say liquid photograph, because Mm. when you and I just took a walk into your library, and you, it's very, I mean, it's so tall yeah. and you have like one of those, like, like a the kind of, you would have like a Powell's books, like a big ladder that goes up sideways. Yeah. It's a library. Yeah. It's literally a library. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you, the, just watching you looking at your face as you gander at that and, you know, wondering if, you know, you probably see it often, you walk by it every day, but when do you look at that and it actually like, Ooh, wow, that's.
2: When does it hit you? Uh, whenever I pull from it. So, yeah. <laughs> like, like uh, I had a party on, on Friday that was uh, kind of a summer barbecue party and, and going in there and looking for wines that, that I thought would be fun to see. Um, there's a lot of wines in there. You have basically uh 10 to 12 wines per vintage and you have 25 years in the early years i made only like four wines but then by 2000 and 2003 2004 i was up to probably seven or eight wines a year and then kind of got into kind of releasing new blends new ideas concrete things and different different barrel agings and so it's if you add it all up, it's like 250 to 300 different lines in there. So it's hard to figure out exactly where to pick. and You just kind of like, close your eyes and throw darts.
0: Yeah, <laughs> right. Hope you get three bullseyes yeah. or else we don't get a podcast. That's you know, right. It's funny. When we came into the, the room that we're sitting in, uh, Trevi was like, all right, before we start, I got to hit three bullseyes. And uh, you have a whole dart system, a whole dart set up here. And, um. And it didn't take you more than a couple minutes, so you, you hit it pretty quick. That's not too bad. <clears throat> you play yeah. darts a lot or what?
2: Uh, when I find a good competitor. I play against my son nowadays. Really? Yeah. I used to play against my neighbor who lives uh, just on the, the adjacent property, and, and we played for at least probably 15 years. And uh, we're pretty competitive for the first uh, 10. And then uh, I don't think Jim's ever going to uh, – I don't think he knows how to get on a computer. So
3: <laughs> he's probably not going to
2: hear this. But, but uh, uh, for like the last five years or so, I just began slaying him. And that was uh, the, kind of the end of uh, the fun. And then I had to start giving him a handicap on it. And so it just, it's just one of those games that we were neighbors. He saw a dartboard in, our, in, in my garage when I lived on this property where the winery is, and and uh, we started hanging out in there, driving my wife crazy, and and it was great.
0: My co-host on the Cork Dorks, Jeremy, always into darts, super into darts. Fact oh, we we time,
2: I know we
0: went to Powell Street in San Francisco one time. He started hustling some college kids and he was just like so good. And then so he moved back to Washington and he's in a league there now. And they have these like really, you probably have seen these if you played darts, these boards where there's like cameras on them and you could play another bar from Idaho and you're playing a whole nother team and it's a whole thing like dart, these darts like you know Tuesday league and you know come home and Wednesday's ruined because you come home pretty shit-faced I guess but <laughs> darts are such a thing to a lot of people
2: there's a bit of drinking in darts for like, sure you know, most people can't throw, hit a bullseye until they have at least a couple beers in them
0: what is it about the darts you, you put one foot in front of the other is it elbow is it I, mean, look, cause like I think of the fundamentals like when you're throwing a baseball when you're throwing a football like the things they tell you what is it with darts
2: well like uh, so my neighbor was really good at teaching me about the Mechanics and pretty much you st- you st- you stand kind of side saddle to it, and you take out the shoulder action. and You just make it kind of a, a elbow action only, so you throw sideways versus throwing a lot of people like to look at the dart board looking straight at it and then they kind of bring their shoulder and their elbow into the whole throw and it's really not very accurate that way so the less mechan mechanisms you have um with throwing it the more accurate you'll be but so if
0: you simplify the mechanics yeah you can dial in your dart throw have you yeah. ever hit two bullseyes in a row i've
2: hit three yeah in a row bro yeah, row? yeah. Oh yeah, i put two darts inside darts, but that's like, but that's because that's parlor you, tricks. You just play a lot, yeah, and and, and the odd is that's going to happen. It's like a hole in one. Harder to be golf. good at bowling or darts. Ooh, um, bowling's going to hurt your arm a lot more than darts is ever going to hurt your arm, and. Um, we do have, we do have one rule that, um, if a dart kicks back at you and you catch it, you get to rethrow it. Oh, that's cool. It's a risk reward thing. How often does that happen though? It happens quite often, but most times people don't catch it. Yeah. And if they do, they usually end up somewhat injured. Chef, (laughs)
0: Chef Rachel Ponce, you familiar with her locally here? She, um, her dad, I guess was a professional bowler. So, you know, she learned bowling her whole life and taught bowling and stuff. So, like, you know, again, dart people, bowling people, you know, it's their own shoes, their own property. You have like a quiver of darts and stuff, or?
2: Yeah, I have a pair of shorts I wear in yeah. I, when I throw <laughs> Stop and <it>. shoes. <laughs> and yeah, it's all, yeah, uh, you know, know. it's like golfing. It's like we thing. got the yeah. whole thing. Yeah,
0: so special funny. hat. I'm excited to meet Cliff. Uh, Cliff, say the name of your brand, Zobetto. So Zobetto. Zobetto. Yeah. It's Italian. You'd think, right? I won't
4: guess. It's, it's a made-up word.
0: Oh, cool. Uh, That's good because then you can make sure you get the website, you make sure you get the Instagram handle, and you know no one's going to mess with it.
4: Right. Well, it took, it. took we didn't land on that word at the beginning. So you, you go in with this list and this idea, and then you talk to an attorney, and they're just like, no, no, no. And then we finally had the right idea because really what we're trying to do and what we're really about is... Family, and that's why we're here, and that's a lot of what's motivating us. So Tobeto is the first two letters of our three kids' names: so Zoe, Beck, and Torin. You know, I
0: um, I think it's good that you even talk to an attorney because I've talked to Mark attorneys, oh. and they will tell you, especially ones here in the wine biz. You get three years in the business, and then you're like, oh, can't do that. Well, they have so many stories of like. Did you even go to Google? Right. Like, did you check it at all before we tried yep. to move forward with this? Did you ever run into any weird things with Lene Coloto?
2: Well, let's see. Um, <laughs> D'Arenberg and I share sticks and stones uh, oh. out of Australia. And then uh, that was because at the time they were fighting Gallo and we, we uh, decided that we were in the States and I liked uh, Chester Osborne and, and at D'Arenberg and that he should be able to use it because we kind of started at the same time i i started sticks and stones in the states and had the had the ttb cola the 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 label certificate here in the states and had no idea in australia that chester was was working on a similar um name but so it's kind of like well i like you and you can use it sure go for it but but i'm still going to use it yeah i'm still so I so we kind of gave each other's rights but i own the trademark on that one and then uh, Stone Brewing Company and I, uh, we we had a fun, um, oh, fun man. battle with Stone Thrower and and uh, so I have Stone Thrower, which is a ranch that I have and a wine that I make. And so I guess you won the battle. Uh, yeah, but it took a long time. Yeah. It was crazy stuff. Does like, it become almost like, like
0: a pissing contest? Like I'm going to spend whatever because I just want it. Is it become like a, a like a you know a macho thing or is it just like no? This is principle, man. Like no, I have this first. I took it to market first. Come on.
2: Yeah, it's, it's, no, it's just, it's just dumb. Yeah. It's just pure dumb. It's like people protecting rights around names that they have that, that aren't really that close to other names. Right. Um. So like, you know, Stone Brewing and Stone Thrower, it's, there's no intention of anything. Nor will I, on their brain. Nor would I
0: imagine any confusion.
2: But, but, you know, they wanted to. Within the negotiations, it's like, I want to own the rights to Stone Thrower concerts. I'm like, Uh, what an awful name for a concert. I know, right? Yeah, it (laughs) sounds like a Stone Thrower concert. You leave with a concussion. (laughs) Exactly, man. (laughs) Who'd want to go on stage at this thing? Right, yeah.
0: (laughs) Stone Thrower Fest. Oh, my gosh. There's so many of these stories here. I think of like TH Estate. Uh, Terry Hogue, Um, I did a show with Justin Baldwin of Justin, which I know you have tons of experience there, and we were talking about Bill Armstrong and Epic, and he goes, do you know that I actually had Epic? And this is one that not many people know of, and he shows me a bottle, E-P-O-C-H, I'm like, no freaking way. Sent it to Bill. and he, Of course, Bill already knew in the story. And yeah. It's fantastic. What did you know on that one? Well,
2: I, I worked on it. Yeah. You worked on the epic one? Yeah, I did back in 90, 95, 96 yeah I worked on those, and so I knew that was happening so what was but
0: what was the impetus of that that you remember, and then why did it fizzle out to a place where Justin obviously didn't care? He was well,
2: like, I oh, didn't use it. well, it was a second label for us it wasn't it wasn't oh. justin wine uh, labeled as as epic it it was it was a second label brand and and at the time i think i think as Paso was growing that we were putting a lot of wines out there that needed to you know You're building the market and you're making, um, you're trying to get your name somewhat out there, but sometimes that requires putting second labels out that, that attracts a different clientele. Right. And you keep doing this and kind of, it's just, it's kind of a real, like a French thing to do, right? You have your
0: wine, you have your big skew, your, I mean, your big brand, and then you might have like your offshoot brand.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Do you have one? I do. What's yours called? It's called Slacker.
0: Oh, Slacker. I saw that on the outside. I
2: should get some of those out. Yep. And what do we, do we put this in distro or what? Um, it's a little bit of distribution. And the the idea has always been to to kind of chase a different different crowd, a different uh, people that are are playful and fun, and and it's sort of my alter ego of yeah. of winemaking. Why or, that name? Um, it came about because it's like you work so hard in life, right? But. I feel like a slacker ninety nine percent of the time. Like I'm not doing enough. Is it because you're and,
0: lucky to do what you love, or because you
4: really aren't doing yeah. enough? <laughs> good, <laughs> good question. <laughs> yeah. uh, or, or is it the antithesis of like who you actually are?
2: It's no. I would say I would say that at times I work so hard and I get jobs done and I'm pretty efficient. But then there are times where I am uh, uh, just kind of kind of relax and and letting things take their own ebb and flow and and uh those times I feel like a slacker I feel like I'm not doing enough that I'm I've I've uh taken a break and over my life I've I've had these building projects and both planting vineyards and building buildings and whether it's winery buildings or barns or houses and and then after I finish the project I take you know I tell people I take like a three-year hiatus or sometimes it's five years um hiatus and kind of enjoy what i've built and and sit there for a bit then kind of work on a pro i'm working on a project in between but it's just not coming to fruition where i'm actually moving dirt
0: are you hard on yourself during those hard times i feel like you have one you can get in touch with being hard on yourself but you're not afraid to be vulnerable to vocalize that i feel like we expose a little bit of this in the first conversation and i feel like it's something that you're very open to talk about okay like, hey, it's life it's me it's, it's what you get
2: yeah no it's definitely it's just me it's not there's there's Um, I make a lot of errors <laughs> we all do yeah and it's not a bad thing I no, think, right. I think uh, going to poly and learning uh, this idea of learn by doing and you and you learn through your failures and you have a lot of failures and, and would I be somewhere else would I be a bigger winery would I be um, have have you know more properties or, or whatever I don't that's not really the goal the goal is to have a fun life yeah and
0: was the goal ever to be winemaker of the year
2: Uh, It's been my goal since I was born.
0: (laughs) When you found out you're Central Coast Wine Competition's Winemaker of the Year, and you look at the list of people, like Wine Industry Person of the Year, Mike Siner, I mean, awesome guy, um, Peachy Canyon, legendary, you know, epic place, winery of the year. Um, I'm not familiar with uh, the gal who won Wine Grower of the Year, but obviously she's
2: incredible. Yeah.
0: Um, So, but that's got to feel pretty cool, whether you got email, phone call, like how'd you find out?
2: I had, uh, email that I was, uh, nominated and then an email that I had been selected and it was really cool. It was awesome. It's, uh, it's, I'm very honored. I mean, it's been in the industry for a long, for what, you know, in my career, I started here when I was 22. Um, first time on vineyards was when I was 19 and it was just, you know, for a, a pick date <laughs> and just, you know, hanging out and, and, and lugging fruit around but today looking back at all that and being recognized is cool I mean, yeah it's there's nothing
0: is there like a sort of coding of of either not, I mean, not even more than satisfaction but a little bit of like just a warm feeling to when you look back on you know almost three decades of doing this with you know, and a, a score might do it, a, a certain accolade, or even like you mentioned, this young man who comes and talks to you and looks up, looks up to you and wants to know that could do it. Is this another one of those things that kind of coats you in, in a warm way that says, oh, that's, that's pretty rad.
2: It's, it's super rad. It's like, it's, it's awesome to be recognized. Um, I still have a long way to go. There's still a lot of things I'm learning. I think that we've, there's a lot of us that have put a lot of effort into building Paso up and whether it's, you know, locally doing it and and the hospitality that we give or if it's in the, you know, distributive markets where we're traveling around the country and 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 meeting with, with uh meeting with uh, you know, future customers that can come to Paso. What did you learn recently? It?
0: What do you think you might have learned recently? Can you even point to something?
2: What have I learned recently of, in the world?
0: Of minor or I major, learned, or, even, or in wine or in business, or of either major or, or minor significance.
2: I've learned a lot of things. I learned that the Earth's uh, tilt is uh, relative to pumping water today.
0: And really? That, yeah,
2: it was wild. It was, uh, like
0: the 26.5 degrees axis that we're on, or what do you uh,
2: mean? 31.5, I think, now, and that the, the tilt of it was is now been calculated to be an effect of pumping water that that water spinning is like a balanced tire, like putting a piece of lead weight sure. a tape on, on the tire to balance it out. And basically the earth is spitting so fast that because of the pumping of water, we're actually throwing it into a different tilt just because of that. And it's wild because, um, two different, two different studies, um, figured this out and I just read about it this morning if I should be able to recall all of it. But that's fantastic.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, I just learned yeah. something.
2: That's so cool. Yeah, it's kind of wild. It's like, yeah. And, and, and with that, because that water is being pumped out, it's going. it becomes evaporative, right? And then it ends up in the oceans. So the, it's caused, uh, what was it, a quarter inch of ocean rise or something like that. That's kind of crazy. It's like, wow. and that's just, it's just, it matters neither created nor destroyed. It just changes form and moves places, right? Sure. And so that's all that's happening. It's just, but it's kind of like, whoa, they've calculated this and and it's uh it's i think jpl or or nasa um had had worked on this and kind of came up with the original idea and then these scientists at opposite uh polar ends kind of came up with the same uh methodology and figured it out like yeah we're we think we're looking at i think one was in in south korea and the other one might have been in chicago that that had figured this out, but explain
0: you... to me something like I know you 're so cognizant and conscious of the the earth and the sustainability and the growing and the farming is so intense and I was asking you as we were on the crush pad how the water and the rain are like twenty something atmospheric rivers that we had come through, or how did it affect this property? Does it kind of boggle your mind that we don't catch more of this like not as an individual business but as a as a municipality as a state like why did 90 plus percent of 24 atmospheric rivers have to go back in the ocean when we're a state that is so uh needing of water
2: yeah i think um you it's a really a use problem isn't it versus a a quantity problem it's like um i think that okay you stop it and I guess it moves back in there it, I don't know I don't have the answer to this one I, I th- sometimes you think you have an answer and you think you're you're looking at the solution and you go down that pathway you get you get on the bus or the train and and you go down it a ways and you go okay no that's not that's right not the solution yeah I think
0: well because some could say well we'll build more dams yeah. damn it but then some folks who obviously have a heart for the environment they don't want dams and I also feel I have a heart for the environment, but I feel like, well, we're not going to catch that water. We're not doing with the water, but we need the water. So, and I'm, I'm willing to learn. Yeah. I just got you know, it's like hit me with something
2: here. I think it depends on where the water is used. And I mean, obviously yeah. um, I use water for a lot of things, right? I mean, everything from, from the homes we live in and the showers we take to, right. to uh, landscaping, to grapevines, to uh, fruit orchards and gardens and, and, you know, everyone uses water in society, and it's always going to continue that way. I think it just is, uh, whether it's a benefit to society to water, you know, lawns and everything else. And, right. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm the biggest, you know, hypocrite on this. I would no, say, for because, sure. Like I, because I like, I like playing golf. I play, yeah, right? I play golf. I, I, it fucking sucks. Yeah, <laughs> it fucking, fucking sucks because I like I I'm I can play golf on, on and and if someone just made a, a a patch of grass that was that was fifty feet by fifty feet I would play to that and I would tee off on astroturf and hit it to there and then hit it to the green and then minimize the amount of land that they had to had to maintain to, and
0: water and but
2: it's like. Have you I, heard of those ones that you can
0: build you a green like a astroturf green at your
2: house and stuff? Oh yeah yeah for putting and stuff. Yeah, yeah absolutely. That's, that's pretty cool. It's very cool. I just I it's a great sport, don't get me wrong. No, sure. And 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 uh there's it's just water usage is a real tricky situation. We did have 46 inches of rain this year. It did all run around. A lot of it percolated into the ground and whether or not it went to the ocean is is probably questionable because we have so much aquifer uh, areas that are depleted around California. And we're only looking, I'm only looking at California. I'm not looking at Arizona and, and Colorado and everywhere else. And, and I don't know the the North American yeah. dynamics of the situation, but um, it's a use a problem. I think that if we learn to live with less water, which is what I've been doing on the farming side. Yeah. Is uh, how do you plant vines that are more vigorous, stronger, that can live with less water and uh, become more like the forests that we have around us? So, if you look at forests, we don't irrigate them, right? They're, they're in existence and some of them struggle during heat waves, and, and but we need to find the ones that can survive, yeah. And that's we, a whole
0: other conversation in California, forest management. Yeah. I and mean, a long time ago, we used to burn through that. Indians, Native Americans, indigenous, I think we're supposed to call them now. Like yeah. indigenous, were really good at burning through forests to, to, to help the forest, right? I mean, amen. Right, yeah, yeah you know. Um, is... Do you, t- you know what I'm doing now, and it's helping a little bit with my water usage, but uh, I just heard it's because it's good for you, is the cold showers. Have you tried this, either of you? Oh, yeah. Cliffs into the cold showers? Oh, yeah, that's great. I'm weaning myself where I start warm and then like getting towards it, but my goal in like you know by the fall is to just be able to get in and then i want to try like the ice bath thing. i just hear there's so much going on with it yeah that's um but i mean i don't know it's it's so uncomfortable
4: <laughs> it and is, it's involuntarily uncomfortable
0: because like you you put it you're in a cold shower or you go from normal to like cold your body takes over like
4: fight st- and flight yeah
0: yeah you start fight
4: your breathing is yeah. different
0: like it's crazy it's wow. mental
4: though too like yeah, like the
0: wim hof guy or yeah, something. oh yeah yeah and, I gotta get that
4: powerful as you start doing it you'll you'll realize like it's it's a big mental part of it too. do you
0: do cold showers yeah. like
4: yeah. are you getting in cold or are you turning it yeah turn it on jump in 30 really? seconds yeah wow it's a great way to start the day
0: yeah I hear it's I mean there's so many good things about it for you yeah from like metabolism to this to that to the other
4: it's better than a cup of coffee
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> I do morning radio and I don't drink coffee which is people going no. how is that even possible no so um this is so cool um we're drinking a white wine now, which uh, what white wine is in the glass? This
2: is a 2022 Contrarian right now. Yeah, Rhone blend. Um, this is a Rhone blend of Grenache Blanc, Picpoul Blanc, and Viognier. Viognier, Picpoul
0: Blanc, yeah. and yeah. Grenache
3: Blanc.
2: Yeah, it's kind of fun. This is mostly um, GBPB, but uh, I planted Viognier because it's uh, it's fairly easy to grow. It grows um, right here, yeah. I had Roussan. Uh, love for Roussan. years. I used to love Roussan. Why don't you anymore? Because it always ended up sweet. It was always fucked up. It was always like like a fermentation that would take me a year to get it dry, and and it didn't matter if I picked it at twenty bricks or picked it at twenty six bricks. It just always ended up with like two to three percent residual sugar, and it was kind of ridiculous at that point. And I used to have a wall of shame of barrels on my in my cellar that just were kind of ticking around and and they're still fermenting but they're just going so slow and and I know there's smarter winemakers that know exactly why that is if it's fructose or um, levels in it or glucose levels in it I don't I didn't really care to to find out I just kind of <laughs> saw it as a flaw in the in the in the grape and Do you ever
0: do little kind of like voodoo-y things? Are you superstitious at all? And I I talked to one person who put like a, you know, like a sponge, but they had a SpongeBob little figurine they would put on, you know, a stuck ferment. And I'm sure you never have a stuck ferment, but you know what I mean? Like anything that's not going quite right, that little Pillsbury Doughboy. Yeah. Is that what that is?
2: Yeah, it is a Pillsbury Doughboy there. Yeah, Yeah, that's an old one.
0: The one where you like put your finger in the tummy and he goes,
2: (laughs) Yeah, the boys from uh, Blackberry Farm, uh, the brewing brought me that that's a couple awesome years ago so
0: are there like are there ever little voodoo things in the in the cellar for you superstitious things maybe i'm not superstitious but i'm a little stitious you
2: know? uh i'm very superstitious really yes i have a lot of anxiety i uh yeah i i'm so I, certain
0: things just have to be
2: just so they do in the cellar yeah absolutely and you have to do it that way and because it's just that's the way it works and and um there there there's always a reason that you usually can kind of look to for why it's happening that way you know it could be the airflow we used to have a tank at wild horse that wouldn't ferment and it wouldn't ferment and just would never go and what was happening is that the fan that was blowing over it was coming the airflow was just blowing right over the top of the tank all the time it was an open top like i think that was a five-ton tank and it just we called it the voodoo tank and I remember that because whatever you put in there, it just always getting too cold.
0: Did this aspect of you grow on you? Like, were you this way at Justin, at Wild Horse, or when, only when it was your own brand did you become like this? Oh, I'm gonna be very particular. And...
2: When when I was a little kid and I would shoot hoops outside my house, I would make bets. You know, like if I do this, if I make this shot, this is what's gonna happen. If I, I do this. Thing. This is what's going to happen, and, and so it's, I think, been with me since I was a little kid. I would walk over
0: cracks, and like if, I, if it didn't line up in the right step, I would step back. I mean, I'd probably look like a weirdo on Thousand Oaks Boulevard, but I mean, I literally would do this, and thankfully, I'm over some of these things. Like, if I turned around, I'd have to go back. I mean, it was, when I was 10, 11, 12, it was probably a weird little thing. I just shook myself out of it after a while, I guess, but yeah. I don't walk over cracks anymore, but that was a real thing to me yeah isn't that that wild I have that here
2: I have that in my cellar I have it with uh, how I operate and how I top my barrels and visit every barrel with my flashlight and look at everything and, and but it's a part of the winemaking it's part of what I teach too and it's hard to teach that because you know I think you're crazy yeah, Do they a little bit.
0: Like if you teach, well, look, it's my, you're making my well, wine. Yeah, you
2: could ask Cliff. Yeah, that's yeah, so all I want to talk about. That. Cliff's, Cliff's been here learning. Yeah, but like if, if I'm crazy.
0: Well, no, but I'm saying like if you're telling a, a, a seller, an intern or a, even your seller master, like I want you to be very just so with this. And it might not even be something that's grounded in fundamentals, but it's a little bit more grounded in just the vibe and the energy of what I want to create here. It's like I think they have an obligation to do that. But even though if they don't, they might not understand it
4: yeah go, go look at the concrete fermenters we have back there there's the first one two years ago we didn't even use it because the year before we were mad at it yeah uh, it fucking sucked yeah and then <laughs> i didn't want
2: to do what i wanted to do
4: and then he'll draw on it so there'll be drawings or sayings on it and so and the it, things that I absolutely love. It, it'll about them. stick around for a yeah. couple years.
0: That's so cool. Tell me how you guys met, because you have a very rich history. Of youth.
2: I'll tell the story. College, please do. <laughs> <laughs> I. I uh, you want to be in control of the story? No, no, no. no. I, you can, you can, you can clarify it. But we first met. It was a Saturday morning. Literally, it yep. was. It was uh, probably about eighty-four degrees outside, and. Um, And I was sizing him up on the other side of the field as the whistle blew and kickoff started. And so and it was the start of a soccer game, my dad coaching the Suns and Cliff's dad coaching the Purple Pounders. Yep. Cliff was like the biggest kid on the other team. Had a big kick. Yep. Could you know, kick the ball and smack you in the face with it and kinda kinda fearful so I had to out dribble him and go around them. Dang. Yeah.
0: Oh, coach's sons. Oh yeah. These, this, these are the toughest humans to be because one, often there's a little bit more talent there, but with that, there is The
4: expectations are twice as high. You yeah. nailed
0: it. And the disappointment. And Who yeah. knows what these young boys or girls, for that matter, if we're talking on that side, go deal with when they get home yeah. with dad, who's the coach, after a bad game or something.
4: Yep. But my goodness. Yeah, what did your dad say after that loss? On
2: that <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we lost.
4: I think we won. I, oh, think,
2: okay. I, think we, I think we might have taken you that day. I think so. I think I probably had three goals to four that day.
0: You would have three goals in a game?
2: Yeah, I was young. No so one so else. You were knew good. It. Yeah, I, I wasn't good at soccer. It was, we were we were eight years old. I know, but I
0: played. I was horrible. <laughs> like I went for like the orange slices. I mean, like, the Capri sons. But then I played. I played basketball. I did karate, baseball. I found talent in those things. But no, yeah. the one year I did a soccer, I'm like, this is not meant for me. Yeah, was, it was really really bad. So you guys are youth. You're playing, and then obviously, you're, where is this?
4: Cliff? Is this is in San Diego. Yeah, Escondido in San Diego, kind of north San Diego. Yeah. And then you end up. Are you friends? Are you buds? Because you go to you go to college later on together. We we went to high school uh, together at, at some point, and um, so played youth sports together. Saw each other. He went to a different elementary school than I did, but like sports was the thing that brought you know all those kids together in in the town. Um, and then like it was really high school. Um, surfed like it was less about the sports. It was, it was more about hanging out surfing uh we started drinking a little wine Uh, hopefully my parents don't listen to this but Uh, it's way past that time (laughs) (laughs) they don't know this. secrets it's time to let them know boone's farm i think was our first venture into
2: wine started with the best uh, (laughs) strawberry hill and country cooler start
4: right at the
0: top yep yep
2: (laughs) gotta start somewhere
0: right because you were t- telling me some old stories of Because where I live in San Luis Obispo I'm not going to get too specific But it's right across the street From a house that was known as the Blue House That you and shoot, Justin Smith And some other folks would be drinking wine in At Cal Poly and So if you're going to Cal Poly You've probably been to the Blue House
4: Yeah, and I, yeah. The, the the address, which I won't say Is still in. in is that right? Oh yeah no I don't way. know the address Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a, what a I tribute. What I'll bleep
2: it out house. Go yeah. ahead 818 Meineke. Oh no, that's eight, that's that, that's not the Blue House. Yeah, okay. yeah, eight went, um This Blue House is is on <coughs> and yeah, um, oh, right, right. Uh, I'll put that up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. The yeah, yeah. the 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 Blue House had the pool table in the back. It was and, like a it was and, like a structure at the back
0: of the house. In the back yeah, room.
2: that that was totally condemned. And Todd Munn lived back there. He was doing the hardcore show for KCPR, and then uh, uh, Dana lived with him, and then. Uh, Mark Adams, when he'd be coming through the town, when he was going to school at Chico, he'd come down and, and and hang out and sleep on the floor or whatever. So you guys were all tight for a long time. We've known each other, yeah, for a long time. That was I just had I had gone into that house because I was working um, at KCPR, and and there was an advertisement for a room for it, and I was a kind of big fan of of uh, moving around in college and, and kind of like when I was in high school, I moved around a lot. I think I learned my roots of moving around when, when uh, I went to three different high schools. And then when I went to college, it was like, I just kind of lived all around and didn't really care. How much
0: did that, I'm going to ask you a very frank question. How much did that hurt though? Because I had to move once in high school. We lost our house. I later learned, and we had to move to Bakersfield from Agora. And I've lived there my whole life and had to go meet new friends and and it was tough. And although I ended up meeting friends and thank God but these and then, you know, we ended up moving back because my mom found out there was something called valley fever in the valley. Was like I'm you know, we'll figure this out. So we moved back and I remember those years as being a lot harder than I wanted them to be for that reason. Did you have, did you struggle with that too? Was that like, Mom, Dad, like why are you taking me here and there?
2: Like this was- it- well, it wasn't my mom and dad moving me. It was myself moving myself. And, and You didn't it was, live with your mom and dad in high school? No, I did. But but what happened is I went to a private uh, high school down at uni, uh, USDHS. And we lived like 35, 40 miles away from there. It was like a 35-minute drive in the morning, I think. <sighs> and my brother went there for four years. and And I just... I went there the freshman year, and I really didn't want to go there. All my friends that I'd gone to St. Mary's with when I when I was in grade school, which was a small private Catholic school, and um, they were all going to either there were three high schools in Escondido. It was either San Pasqual, Orange Glen, or or Escondido, and and uh, I really wanted to hang out with my friends that you know I was in eighth grade. I was there. I was tight with them, and and then ended up at uni. There were a few of us that went there it was fun. It's hard to have friends that were that were located Staying all the with way, friend's all the way parents? For, no, no, no. No, we drove every day. My brother drove me down there. Wow. And we would leave, you know, 45 minutes early, leave at like I don't know, 7:15 so in the you, morning. So you
0: even commute like an adult. Yeah. And it's you know, for high on the, school.
2: On the 15 highway, yeah. yeah freeway there and then get down there and it was cool. It was it's it's uh, it was really cool. I, mean, I imagine but, like
0: San Diego growing up there, that must have been pretty
2: cool. It, it, was, it was cool, but then I made a deal with my parents that if I didn't like it the first year that I could go wherever I wanted to go. And so then the second, so I decided after the first year I wasn't going to go there. And I thought I was going to go to San Pasquale High School, which was where most of my friends from grade school were. And they said, no, you can't go there because you, you, you don't live in that district, so you have to go to Escondido High School. So I went to Eskimo High School and, and that school was very easy. And I top of the class there for that year. And it was kind of weird, really weird school system where like, you know, um, I take tests before the rest of the kids would take the test to check to see how hard it was. And it would be like, it was kind of weird. I'd never been in that position, but I'd come out of going to private schools. And I would say that that it was a good system I was in prior because it put me into like going, Oh, this is pretty easy. And then when I went over to San Pasquale, I didn't care anymore. So, so finally, uh, my family had moved to the other side of town. And that's when I went to San Squall. I was like, and I was back with my old crew. Yeah. And,
0: and that's where they, and you guys, that's where you were at?
2: Yeah, That's where I met actually Cliff, yep. really like and got to know Cliff. and Right.
0: And Surf with him and hang with him. Yeah. You guys both get into Cal Poly. Was that kind of like, oh, damn, we both got into Cal Poly.
4: He, he went first. And I stuck local for a year. And I, I think I came up and visited you, and yep, um, like did everything possible to come up here the next year.
0: How did you get into wine? I'm so curious, Cliff, because when we were at the library yeah. and we were walking over there, you had mentioned like you had just had. You said you were like, I, I've followed this guy since I've known him for so long, yeah. And I've followed this journey that he's been on as you've been on your own. And how did, what was that like? Watching him kind of evolve, like we, you know, from times in, in you know sleeping in a car to times where I'm a winemaker of the year, looking oh, at this yeah. beautiful place that this we're at,
4: gorgeous building, it's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. Um, the so
0: reputation, what, it's it's so awesome. What was that ride like for one? First, I'll ask you watching him do it, and then I'm going to ask you about.
4: Your oh, it it was incredibly inspiring and motivating. What what was? We graduated. Most people wanted to stay in slow, but no one could so we all kind of had to leave like we all i went to the bay area because that's where the jobs were right um and we keep in touch with matt and hear these stories of of what he was doing and it was it was one it was just odd like what are you doing sticking around like how in the world are you gonna what are you gonna do for a job how are you gonna survive and I let him tell us, he he probably already told the story the first four or five years, like a lot of struggle to, to, to get into the industry. And, um, that was the chair, by the way. Okay. If you say so. (laughs) Yeah. And, um, and then the first couple of years, once he started LC, it's like coming down here, watching him and Maureen, uh, you can just feel the passion, uh, going into everything from cleaning glasses to the kind of the events that he would have, uh, in the little building, that building we were in, it used to be a smaller little building that got built around. So watching and then watching how that, that's evolved and then trying to trying to help wherever we could help and get involved. And it always drew my wife and I down here three or four times a year.
0: And at what point do you go, Matt, I don't know. I kind of want to try this. You think I can get my hands on a half a ton or whatever it was?
4: Yeah, yeah. We uh, So we weren't we. The four of us, my wife Christy, Matt Maureen had a com- that conversation in this room, um, probably four years ago, and the the short shortish story of that is like my wife and I've been wanting to move here forever um, for 15 years, and it was always it was always we joke about it always being a Sunday where we're having to pack up and go back home, um, and we're sad because we're leaving. Um, but that's where the job was, and um, and then COVID happened, and for us, COVID was a, one of the man. Big,
0: how many sentences start and end with that, right? It
4: was a huge silver lining sure. for us because my day job went virtual. Um, Which is, uh, I work at a I work at Yelp. I've worked in kind of tech for my whole career. Cool. I still have a day job to try to pay for this other venture that we're 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 doing um but it was amazing cuz we could we could live wherever we want and we were staying up here at, at your old house on a sunday and uh in t- early 2020 mid 2020 my wife calls your wife and says hey do you know a realtor i'm like what are you doing we're we're leaving like we're packing up and like no next thing you know we're like touring ranches and literally within 2 months sold our property up at our house up in the bay area um And the realtor we had was like, you just got to sell and you'll find a place eventually. So rented a place for six, eight months here downtown until we bought a property um, over here on Arbor. Wow. um, But as as part of all that, it was a conversation with Matt and Maureen um, saying that this is something that we want to get into making wine. Uh, We'd love kind of support and guidance. And, you know, would you be willing to kind of help kind of give his coaching and guidance and uh and uh now
0: you want to pick at the brain you want to obviously learn because he's a phenomenal wine absolutely. maker
4: but you don't want to burden
0: you know yeah. it's want a
4: friend it. and it's a friend like sure. it's a friendship first we've been on our kids have, we've been on many family vacations together oh, and wow. like uh, all sorts of things and so like that was a big part of the conversation that almost got kind of emotional when we were talking about it. it's like that, that we don't want that to be at risk
2: um we talked about partnerships and it, i said fuck no
4: yeah yeah that,
0: that's no, f- yeah.
2: only ship that doesn't float as a partnership
0: yeah. yeah i think even just for me <laughs> i think the, the from the last episode i would probably guess that would have been the answer for you there yeah but it was like hey let me help you you know with my mind and my heart and some space here if you want because you're making I, your wines here yeah let's yeah. help like like kind of you know i told him, him had to intern yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like that's, that's another I tell, thing about how you know
2: this is a craft and, and it's not something you just wake up and do tomorrow and there's a lot more to it and it's doesn't meet the eye and, and yeah, anyone can ferment something, but to learn really what you're doing and how it reacts every year and how the harvests are always different and and you go through one harvest and you think you know it and then you go through two harvests and you're like, What? It's different. Then you go through three harvests, and you begin to see it. And four harvests begin, like oh wow, it's never going to be the same. And then you realize it's just like a, it's it's more of a of a vibe that kind of happens, and and it kind of, it snowballs.
0: Yeah, did you feel like because of your past friendship with Matt that? You might – and then realizing, oh, he's he's going to really make me like cross the T's and dot the I's. Mm -hmm. That maybe – he might even be a little bit more unforgiving because I think sometimes when people are close to us, we can tend to be – we can tend to hold them to even a higher regard than we might with somebody
4: else. That could be the case. Matt's pretty exacting to begin with. I don't know if – I don't know if he was harder on me than, than other people. Whip, uh, making the whipping the, <laughs> But, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, I I helped however I could, helping with making his wine first and foremost. And I, awesome. I think I spent 95% of my time help, trying to help him, and that's how I learned. Sure. And you know, damn straight, like, he's very exacting. I've got the, the one of my stories I love to tell that I think puts the point on it. It's the end of harvest, and um, I just finished m- the final press uh, of my fruit, um, and it was early morning, and I was exhausted and kind of excited, but but uh, also exhausted. And Matt pulls up, and he spends five minutes telling me how to how to roll up a, a hose, <laughs> uh, of which he's he's told me how to do it multiple times, yeah. but. And it's, like, my expression is how, how you do anything is how you do everything. And Matt, to Matt's, like, end of harvest, um, you know, early morning after a very long harvest, and here he has the time to, like, tell me. And he's got a reason behind why a hose needs to be rolled up a certain way. There's I just, I just
2: found one yesterday that was totally rolled up wrong. A water hose. There's someone in the taste room that doesn't know how to roll roll a rubber hose like a garden
0: hose yeah there's a
2: certain you have to twist it it's it's really simple
0: i totally bet you it's the same thing with an audio cable or a television cable it's exactly so you hold it you make a circle and then the first one and tell me if it's a little bit you 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 you're gonna use your thumb and forefinger to spin it in, and then the next one you spin it out and under. And what it does, it creates the per- for an audio cable, at least, it creates the perfect little cord where if you want to draw off it, it goes.
2: Yep. You know, it's a, I imagine it's something similar. It's exactly yeah. like that, and like all the, like all the cords, all the remote cords on our pumps and stuff like that require that same thing. Because I, because I walk up to a to a remote on a pump and I just grab the cord and I count like kind of the loops. I don't know how I do it, but I get the right distance. Every time, yeah, and it's like, and I know, like, I know that I'm going to work that far out with my barrels, and and that pumps about that distance, and and I drop it on the ground. I walk out, I go, and I measure it to make sure I'm I'm set to do my job, and and uh, hoses, cords, yeah, they're all part of our job, and the better you get at that, the more efficient you become, and also it's easier for people to follow you in working. So true. What
0: was the quote you said a minute ago? If it's not everything, it's anything, or how
4: you do. Anything is how you do everything. It's it's like all the little things. It's a both. It's it, as he says. It's about the efficiency for sure. But if you don't know how to roll the cord correctly or the hose correctly or clean the pump, how are you going to make? Uh, good wine.
0: I met your. I think it's your middle kid.
4: That's Beck. youngest. Back. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Beck is the youngest. Yeah. What? Is he, Eighteen, nineteen, seventeen. Oh, young, young, yeah. young man. Yeah.
0: Really, really polite. As- Offer to carry my bags for me. Yeah. How many times has he heard you say that quote? Oh
4: down? yeah, oh plenty. <laughs> yeah, plenty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's such a good lesson, though. Yeah. It's such a good lesson. So, um, you start making wines, and what? Obviously, you're you're a fan of Paso. You're a fan of, Trevisan's wines. Yeah. You're, you you came here. Back in the day, what
4: Love and Tour? Yeah, Love and Tour, like in you know late '90s, early yeah. 2000. That was that um, that was where that was the wine I drank. I drank a lot of Matt's wine and and their wine and loved loved, loved it. How yeah. did you and your
0: wife kind of imagine your wife's in on the conceptual? Like what, oh, we, yeah. what we want to taste together, um, what we want to make people, what we want to what we want to make.
4: Yeah, it's funny. My first response to that is not going to be varieties and um, I, I'll touch on that, but it, it's it's almost about the experience and the feelings and like the, what the, the kind of environment you want to create. In a lot of ways, like my favorite memories are drinking wine, not necessarily the wine, but the conversation and how you feel yeah. and the music that's on and, and all of that. Um, so true. So f- for us, it's about like The family and the friendship and the experience that the wine creates, Um, and obviously um, making making something, especially like when you make something, you put your heart and soul into it, and watching people have a good time is is so amazing.
0: Do your kids get what you're doing as far as like, you know, your Beck is seventeen. Yeah, Um, I'm not sure the ages of yours.
4: 16, 18 and 22. Yeah, they're both both similar ages. We have, both have three kids. Mine are 21, 19 and 17.
0: The ones that are, you know, under 21, yeah. they probably haven't had a sip ever. But my point is like, do they get especially like someone who's like 16, 17 because they hopefully they're not, you know, partaking a lot with friends and stuff yet. I mean, I mean we probably did a little bit, but I'm saying you're like you, do they get it? Do they go to like dad makes wine, mom and dad make wine, we don't get it? Or do they get like the magic that really is here that they will get at one point that maybe your 20, 22-year-old gets? Do they get it now or do they do they understand it? They're starting to get it. I think,
2: uh, I think my kids have a good foundation of the industry. I think growing up in it, it's hard to see outside. It's like it's just normal. Yeah. And I think as they... Go through college, and their college friends come over and go. What this is? What you do? Yeah. What? You. This is wild. And um, I think COVID was a huge blessing to put my kids in vineyards, and instead of we didn't have. Um, their downsides, obviously, but there were things where where all the extracurricular school activities weren't happening, and so it gave an opportunity to say, "Hey, kids, we're we're not." Able to go. We're not anywhere. done with learning. <laughs> We're not able to go anywhere. But let's right. go out here and let's go. Let's go do shoot thinning. Let's go do. Let's go do weed identification. Let's go do. Um, let's go fruit thin right now. I need. Ver, I need to drop do verasian drops. How do you do this? Okay, and I think at this age where you're at, if you'd done that in high school, if you think of anything you ever learned in life, that. You learned it, but you might not use it again for a long time. But then later on in life, you realize that wait, I know how to do that. And so I think there's opportunities there that they've really learned yeah. and will be able to apply later in life in all jobs, whether they work for for Lenny Colotto or or Zabato or or
4: work um, and they probably don't for even else. know
2: it yet. They don't so, know it. Yeah, yeah. You just, so, it takes time.
4: My. Our experience is different. Like I've watched Matt's kids; they've grown up here, right? And this is obviously a very special place. And Mike, we grew up in the Bay Area, and uh, my kids grew up in very, very competitive, fairly urban. Um, You know, it it was all about like very structured; like everything was scheduled. Um, And because it's such a stark contrast coming here, it I think they've had it. Obviously, a little later in life, they've had this really different experience. Like Beck, who you've met, he helps at Harvest. He He's the one that's crawling up in the barrels and helping me top. And he's learning how to drive a tractor. And it's like all these things nice. that he had no experience. Um, my whole family helped us bottle. are oh, changing his
0: life right now. Yeah. So or cool. just,
4: it's just like, there's, a, there's a whole different path yeah. you can go down yeah. in life. Um, everyone helped bottle. And like, they've touched every bottle that we're, you know, we're trying to that we're going to try to sell and it's like that that just opens up a whole different avenue of thinking about the world it's for two them.
0: really cool things because one he's watching dad you know spend a long time in work tech work hard yeah. Yeah, yeah and work hard but in tech and yeah. the, but then he's seeing dad have a passion and mom and dad get into something different where dad is like racking barrels and yep. m- muscling hoses and cleaning up and yep. you know brushing this and washing that
4: Yeah, and then seeing mom and dad at home uh, like arguing on how in the world do we file this TTP report or this right, other thing? Right. What are we going to do for the website? Wow. Or yeah, yeah, it's so cool. It's so interesting. Hopefully, it just opens up more. I think it more definitely opportunities. Will. Yeah. Or, what
0: do you think of this 2013 sticks and it's stones? Be- well, sticks yeah. is yeah. my is favorite. Yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah, this is so yeah. beautiful. Ten years old. Yeah. Sticks and stones. When you again, when you get to like. Open that book and dust off like you know, literally dust off this bottle and then it comes out like this you just must be so pleased
2: it's cool it's 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 fucking awesome to yeah. see it, to see him come back to life would and, you have guessed and,
4: this is eleven years old no no way this fruit is yeah. alive yeah this fruit's it's alive
2: like, it's wild it's uh, yeah, a ten year old ten year old wine and uh, it's, are these
0: wines cyclical like if I open this Three years ago, might it have been a little bit? Mm, if oh. I open it in three years from now, but then it might go up again. You know, it's so
2: Adam, weird. Adam, that is the most fascinating thing about wine that that wine does ebb and flow, and and it's almost like our our hormones in our body that it goes up and down. And yeah. and uh, I would say time of year is a big uh, big indicative thing about how the experience is, and it could be the room that you're in, but like you know, opening wines in the colder uh, colder winter months. Um, the air is a little, little heavier, a little. It's colder, so it's denser and 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 has more weight to it. And so, does that um, help it? It actually suppresses the wine a little bit. Oh. It can, but it can change the experience. It totally depends on the wines. Yeah. And and then warmer, warmer days create you know kind of more lush aromatics off of wines. I would say. Um, I see it in the cellar when I'm topping, when I'm climbing around. I see wines go through reductive phases when it gets really cold, and then they kind of come back to life as spring comes in. And and but it's really explain
0: reductive for someone who might wonder what that means. It's kind of the opposite of oxygenated.
2: Yeah, it's almost so like that struck match. So kinda. It's, yeah, it's kind of like it's lock. Uh, Lacking oxygen in the wine, and and a lot of times reductive flavors and smells come from the breakdown of the of the lees at the bottom of the barrel, and they don't have any oxygen on them, and they they kind of have that. There's nowhere for it to go. It happens even in in a fermentation where you don't vent the fermentation, so this carbon dioxide is not really able to go out, and it increases the pressure on the top of the wine, and then the wine gets oh. closed up because it has nowhere to go. So a bottle that sometimes I bottle wines. That have a little bit of CO2 in them. And I can see that they become a little reductive. But the beauty is that if you decant it, you swirl a little bit of air in it, they usually come right back to life.
0: I feel like sometimes people might even mistake
2: reductiveness for wood, for oak. I think that can be happened. Yeah. Yeah, I mean I mean really bad reductive, like sure. disulfides and stuff. Uh, you could be like more like brake pads going down the quest to grade. Ooh, me right. Now. right? <laughs> oh, or you know, no. sitting behind a tar track and just like That's not a too- shelf talker I want. <laughs> no. But but they happen. I've I've had I've had a lot of great wines out where that had a little bit of that and and sometimes you gotta figure out how to deal with it. And but I've always tried to look for something beautiful in every wine. There's always something about it that tells a story and the best wines i mean now now don't get me wrong know, of you, course yeah i could very easily go out and find the crappiest grapes in the world and make the crappiest wine in the world and 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 and
0: keep it the, up where are you in the vineyards right now are we happy with the way things are sitting are we happy i mean we're i know from i uh, talked to you a couple of years ago uh where are things at in the vineyards and how happy are you with this uh, we're
2: like uh we're probably we're probably three weeks behind right now um berries are sizing up right now and i think the canopies are canopies are healthy this year they're with that 46 inches of rain really um really pushed everything and trying to run it out of energy and get it to start thinking about maybe ripening at some point this year like start are struggling we- start right Yeah, so we need our tip tips uh, to start start. We need our shoots to stop growing, so the tips will die off first, and then and then we kind of get to that point, and then we begin to turn our energy towards varation and building sugars. And I think we're getting, I think we're still probably three weeks out for that. We might see some things go in two weeks, but um, I was looking this morning at it, and it's yeah, it's a ways. Uh, Is it angsty walking through the rows? There's a lot of fruit out there this year, really, because we've left it because we're trying to slow down the the, the vegetative growth. So Ex- we left we left as oh. much as we can. So it's a game, right? It's like it's like well, you got a lot of rain in the ground. You got you got a lot of lot of fertility here, and how are we going to slow it down? And and we're going to slow it down by kind of. The only way to slow it down is by by leave more there for a by while. leave more there, let it burn itself yeah. out and grow. But then you're working on everything a little bit later, so so you might be pulling laterals a little bit later because you took a little, you let it grow out and take some of the nitrogen and, and 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 work its way through, and 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 then you're cranking it off the vine.
0: I've been asking people this of late because. I've heard people talk about like, oh, the the you know, the, there's a bud that's set, and that's really like not till the next year, not this year, kind of thing. But then there's this. Obviously, we saw the weather that we had, and that's going to have some sort of you know implications for what we see this year. Um, explain the dichotomy of both of those to me, and and what maybe this year will offer this harvest because of the rain that we got all winter and more. And then that whole thing that people talk about, oh, like the two years thing, whatever that is.
2: Oh, why, why you altered it bare, basically. Or, like, or,
0: or why people, because obviously there's this aspect of it, and I'm not sure because I don't do what you do, but like, oh no, that, that, the fruit for 2023 is actually in the, the vine in 21, but I have to imagine the that. Im- like,
4: impact of the rain this year does it impact this year's harvest or does it impact next year's harvest?
2: It does both. It does both because, because Fruitful Buds for next year are are what, what they're discussing there. And I'm not a huge follower of that as much as that I think that um, you kind of get what you get. And so if you're like, oh, next year is going to be crap. it's You're looking too far out and, and let next year be next year. Let's focus on this year right now. Because yeah. my job at hand is to get the fruit that's on the vine currently uh into the cellar and then produce it into wine and so my focus is on that right now and i'm not really looking at the next set of buds that are coming um post in 2024 now when when 2024 comes out obviously if there's not a lot of flowers out there there's not a lot of flowers but what are you going to do about it Right. I mean, I'm not sure if there's, I'm not sure if there's a program in place to, to, to change that. I, the best thing I was ever taught was that having more consistent years of fruit. So if you're going to crop it two tons or three tons an acre, um, doing it consistently, even if you show six tons out there, reducing the fruit load, take the stress off the plant. Cause when a plant is allowed to produce six tons a year seven tons a year or something crazy, right? It will then go through this, this ebb and flow of cycles where it goes high one year and low the next year. Olive trees do it. We don't really crop them at all. We just let them roll and you have, you have fruitful years and non-fruitful years. And, and I planted different years for olive trees to get that kind of out of the book um and that was also planning different varieties to hopefully kind of subside that
0: all right let's pour another linnet colota wine while i'm doing that i'm going to mute your mic um cliff so you can go grab yours and then get them on your table right there um we just tried the 2013 yeah. sticks and stones which was just bomb
2: this is going to be nemesis 2021 That's a good question. I mean, Adam, you say you don't know anything about wine, but you, you interview all of us, you know, you know, you're, you have probably a master's degree by now. If not, if not a PhD, (laughs) that's very kind, but I'm not sure about that. So, so if, if I, if I talk to all the, um, the, the who's who of the wine industry and, and gathered the knowledge that you get from them, I think you, I think I would learn a lot and, I um I can't I, I as a winemaker it's just I mean it's hard to it's it sometimes when, when people say things like like oh the buds of next year, right? Um oh, um the buds of next year, I'm like I'm just not I saw you I, give a little look when I said I, that. Too. I know I know what they're talking about and yeah. I in 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 I've read about it in the past and I've heard about it in the past and I think about it but I don't think about it enough. If anything, when I hear that, I think about like, Well where's the market at? How much volume is there out there? What's it gonna do in the marketplace? Okay so and where's the economy at and where's this happening and there's so much more to it than and and the market ebbs and flows and so someone i was watching an article the other day and was talking about you know two short crop years and 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 where the wine industry is right now with that and and how and what market demand is and it's like oh that's interesting well the two short crop years cause this and that and but but the market's kind of stable on it. And so what happens on a big crop year and I'm banging on a big crop year. Yeah. And I'm banging on good fruit too. Yeah. I think, I think that after, after, um, I think that weather, after all the weather and, and I mean, still we're going to have it. It's, it's a continuous thing, right? I think, I think you just live with it. You function in it and, and everyone's freaking out and you know, yeah, sky's falling.
0: 2021 Nemesis. What is this a blend of?
2: Uh, grapes. Uh, this is uh, uh, a 70... Well, I'm not going to be able to read that if oh, I'm yeah, pouring you right true. now. That's true. Sorry, you're right. It's 77% <laughs> Syrah, 15 Grenache, and 8% maven. Okay. And so Nemesis was, uh, was a wine I started in 2001, so it's 20 years old here. Wow. Um, in production years. And I back in the the late 90s everyone was starting to make syrah wines and i just didn't really want to make a syrah wine i wanted to make blends and because blends allow you so much flexibility they allow you to build something that's better it's like it's like telling your friends you're gonna have a steak tonight and like they come over and you're like here it is and you cook it and you throw it out there and they're like uh you got any salt, pepper, or anything? Yeah, any, like nothing's with it. It's just basically all you did is you grilled the piece of meat, and it's awesome.
4: Yeah, what were you saying, Cliff? Yeah, uh, let alone some chimichurri. Right. Yeah yeah yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, <laughs> but really, really spice it up. It's yeah. something
2: to throw at it. Like I'm, I'm a big fan of, of adding flavors and building flavors and blending allows that to happen. And Nemesis was, uh, I couldn't tell you how many, how many people back in the late '90s were always asking. Do you have Syrah, 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 and then Syrah hit the hit the freaking fan and and kind of just splattered everywhere, right? And didn't really go anywhere. And now it's kind of come back a little bit, and people realize that it is a great variety. It's it's one of the best. It's dark. I think, it's I think it is, and
0: also like it's so resilient in the cellar, right? I mean, I, I opened up literally last night for my dad. Uh, Nicholas Miller gave me a Bien Nacido Syrah. And, of course, different cool temperature Syrah. But, you know, what you can get from a, t- a cool temperature Syrah is so different from a warm temperature Syrah. But they're both, when done right, can be so beautiful.
2: Yeah. And, I, and I'm and i not sure what temperature Syrah my, my Syrah is up here. Because I can pull off uh, the Elsie Estate properties at about 1,080 feet. And in the Willow Creek District, that's pretty low in elevation because it rises up to probably about 1,450 feet. And so in the springtime, all that cold air is filtering down like a swimming pool down to the lower elevation. And during the fall, the same thing begins to happen again. So I have a shorter growing period on the pro- on the LC winery property. And then my the stone thrower property that I farm is up at 1,300 feet elevation so ripens a little earlier changes the flavors but i've been i've been caught with frost in the spring i've been caught with frost in the fall and grown fruit up here that is cold yeah and that you're you're just basically picking it because because you're getting frozen and it sucks but it's a reality of of cold growing
0: and I don't know if it's just because of your style. I mean, it's super smooth tannins. The wine is beautiful. But I do get some of like those. I'm not really like a tasting notes type dude because I don't find one. I do it very well. And, but with Syrah, you can. like. Am I getting some pepper on this? Am I getting some white pepper, black pepper? Or am I getting just a lot of fruit? a yeah. lot of plum a lot of or like gary everly says blueberries and blood yeah you know, like for Syrah and a real warm yeah. real warm temperature Syrah. and there's a fun spice gary. i know gary we are not <laughs> yeah. worthy yes. um but we um i i like i like a little bit of spice and i get a little spice in Good. something like this this is
2: fun yeah yeah it's super super fun to make uh to make nemesis and to do it year after year and there's some years where I just don't get the Syrah that I want to make with it and it just ends up in my other blends because because Syrah is such a great blending grape for uh whether I'm blending it with Zinfandel with the, some of the Dry Farm Zins that I make or yes, blending it with nice. the, the high acid Grenaches that I pick because I pick Grenache at, at like three one, three two pH and it's just searing acidity and Syrah offers this huge buffering. It just kinda of balances out the wine and really really kinda of makes it fleshy.
0: When we talk about Gary Eberle, and you and you jokingly do that like, you know, we are not worthy, like the, the Wayne and Garth thing. Here's like a, a legend, right? Gangster of, yeah. the Godfather, right, they say a paso wine. But you are in a place now where you've done this thirty years. And although when you first started at Wild Horse U and all this stuff, like you know, Gary Eberly was like, oh, damn, you know. But now you are at a place where people are asking you for advice. Friends are coming and saying, hey, can I pick your brain? I want to I follow this, my own passion with my wife and do our own thing. Uh, that young man, whoever that was, came up to you, said they heard you on this podcast. I mean, you are coming in in a way. There's a big coming of uh, age and a, and, a, and a full circle moment where people are coming to you for these pieces of advice and for mentorship.
2: Yeah, it's... Um Flattering, but I I one time went to a, once I went to a funeral and uh, and people got up and spoke and they told how they lived here in the Willow Creek district and and how they are new to the area they'd only been here thirty to forty years and and um, because the the it was the Busi and he he um, you know was he'd been here since he was a, a child and and was. 70, 80 years in, in the neighborhood. Right. And it's important to hold your roots and realize that you're just a newcomer and I'm still a newcomer here. And I didn't grow up here. I, I just, I really, um, it's something I, a lesson that I think a lot of people need to take and is important for, um, everyone to respect how long, you know, Paso San Luis Obispo, every, every bit of our County, um requires that respect
0: do you feel people as paso blows up and gets immensely popular and you could see this in the the hotels the restaurants the scene itself people are building businesses that don't even have to do with belling up to a bar anymore because the wine country and the restaurants now following have built such a an animal do you feel like you'll see things time to time and you wonder do they have the right mindset do they have the right heart
2: for this I think about that all the time, but, but I have no control over it yeah. and it's something it's, uh, it's, it's out of my control. It's not my, it's, um, it's not my job anymore. It's system. Um, it's, uh, it's everyone's it's, it's, it's not, it's going to do what it's going to do. I think I, I, I don't want to say it's out of control or anything, but it's awesome. It's really been cool. It's, it's, and it's going to continue to be cool for the next, next hundred years I just want to make sure it's there a hundred years from now yeah right and so that's that's really what I look at I look at sustainability I look at uh, viability and long-term long-term projected um, farming methods and and how how we become a community and it like Traveling in Fran- I was in France a couple of weeks ago and, and nice. it's just fucking cool to see guys on tractors in shorts and flip flops and, and, and like a, a, a t-shirt or no shirt on fucking cruising down the road, to go, go spray another vineyard or go, go, go farm it. Right. And it's cool here. It's like soup. It's getting super regulated and, and it bugs me a ton because we don't spray shit and, and we do farm and we do all this stuff but all these everyone's on top of you like oh they're trying to get a dollar here and there and it drives me fucking crazy yeah because i don't think that's the right direction for sustainability these are these are people that have been farming um, from the 1400s 1500s some of them are our 15th generation winemaking families over there and we're not we're barely at generation two generation three there's a couple fours here fives I think the deuces are there now, which is cool to see. Mm -hmm. I think, uh, um, the hopes are, are getting there. Um, the Smiths and I just, I'm a big fan of that. I'm a big fan of, because that's, that's really the, the, the meter I look at for long-term sustainability is, is the families that are able to continue on. And you asked about our kids and, and how they see it and, you know, it's for them to be able to one day go, Hey yeah, this is pretty cool. And I don't expect my kids to know it right now. I expect them maybe one day to wake up. <laughs> yeah. Hope you hope they do. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. yeah, of course I do. I, yeah. I, I Would that
0: hurt if you found out they didn't
2: I don't have a second plan. <laughs> <laughs>
3: We're banking on it.
2: <laughs> no, I, I, uh, um, no, it doesn't hurt. I think everyone needs to follow their own paths. I didn't follow my dad. I didn't follow, um, uh, my mom. I didn't, you know, I, I did my own thing. And your mom
0: and dad's still around?
2: Yes, they are. Uh, they're awesome. That's really cool. They taught me, taught me a lot.
1: So give me that We'll get by. We we'll pass all around till the job is uh, out in the trees. It will simplify company.
0: I know, I know, that ended a little bit abruptly. No one said goodbye. That's because this is a two-parter, baby. This is a two-parter. There is so much more of this conversation, more learning about Cliff, these Cepetto wines. He makes Rhone blends that are just beautiful. They're so good, Tell you how you can get your hands on those. I do recommend you Googling him and learning more. Follow them on Insta, Z-O-B-E-T-O, zabeto And of course, Lene Coloto. I mean, just lights out awesome wines. Matt Trevison is such a cool guy, great winemaker. And although he would say he is lucky to be in Paso, Paso is lucky for him to be here. I truly believe that. And a heartfelt congratulations to you, Matt, for being winemaker of the year this year. Thanks for taking the time to hang out. Loved meeting Cliff as well. Super fun insight to get him as he's known Matt for so long. That insight was invaluable. All right, let's talk some beer now, huh? Cal Coast Beer, a relatively new spot. Even though they've been around for, you know, maybe four years now, they opened up the spring before COVID. So it still feels like it's new to me and new to folks as they come and visit a beautiful spot, Cal Coast Beer. Let's talk to Rich. What is up, my man?
3: How's it going, Adam? (laughs) It's great to connect
0: with you. We were talking off the air that we actually, I had you on the air on maybe my morning show or the Liquid Lunch or one of the shows uh, years ago.
3: That's right. I popped in with my buddy, Greg Wangard. We were helping raise money for the kids in uh, Paso and doing a uh, half marathon. So thank you for that. It's good to be back.
0: It's good to have you on the Where Wine Takes You podcast, Cal Coast Brewing. And it's it's cool because what I love about Paso of late is it's more than just, and even in your case, you're more than just bellying up to a bar to get some beer. And we'll talk about the great beer, the profiles and how you started this. But I mean, there's a lot of different fests. I mean, you literally have a campus there. It is not just a place. It's a campus
3: it's absolutely it's a campus we have the brew house at calco's beer there um, where we make our beer we have a 10 barrel system in that building for all of you uh brewery you know beer geeks who love to get into that and see where we make it but we also have the den at calco's beer which is a secondary building and we have a cool 70s swag vibe in there where we got eight tracks and vinyl and uh, shag carpets and we, it's a beautiful place. We have musicians, you know, the dream was about, you know, the coolest green room you could make. And then we also have another place, Patina, Calco, which is a third building on site, which houses our private events and things like that. So, you know, that plus the stages um and the live music outside we we try to offer a full experience there at calco Spear for sure
0: now the den i'm really intrigued by because you know it's kind of trendy to do vinyl and a lot of folks have you know the record players and stuff like that but the eight tracks now you are going you are going super old school i remember my mom drove a 79 cadillac seville and that baby that beast had an eight track player in it eight tracks are certainly old school
3: uh, absolutely. We've got the old Harman Carden 1975 receiver in there, a Marantz receiver. You know, you, you said it was trendy, and I'm kind of just an old-school guy at heart. Um, it's been my life. You know, my growing up, my dad was a musician, and so that, it was inspired. He played music just on a local level and did some of those things, and it's inspired me. Uh, my grandmother's swag lamps are in there, my dad's record nice. is final. And then the eight-track... Um, they play. You come in, and we we let them run. We let them uh, play, and and they they go. You know the interesting thing about an A track is it never stops. It's continuous loop. So right. We just let them go. Yep, all night. It's a, That's it's so great cool, time. and I love that. And I
0: love that things like vinyl came back, and you know, and, and this is the way. I remember when I was a kid. I remember climbing through our garage, and I found this eight track player. Then I climbed even deeper and found all of the eight tracks. And you know, when I was a teenager, I was probably the only you know fourteen to you know 18 year old that had an eight track player in his room. I just thought that was so cool. And there's something so uh, fun to listen to these. Pieces of music, but with that uh, with that analogous that analog touch to it, right?
3: Yeah, you can hit the history in that room uh, all the way. It pl- it'll play the eight tracks. We can play. We have a nice mixer. We play the eight tracks to the vinyl, to the iPads, to the live musicians, nice. and like you said, people bring in their eight tracks and we let them play. So you got to bring one in, and then if it breaks, which sometimes they do when it hits that little metallic stop point, you know, or, or where it uh, clicks it down to right. the next track. Um, If you break it, we just put it on the wall, you know, it's a piece of history and you sign it and you'll see a few in there already uh, from people who brought them in and, you get about four songs of history, and then they break, and there you go. <laughs> That's so cool.
0: I love it. Sign yeah, it, cool. put it on the wall. Now, let's talk about the beer, because obviously, in a, in a place like Paso, known for its wine, but, I mean, look, we have some great brands here, Firestone, Barrel House. I mean, the list goes on that have come up that have put, you know, that have made national, international attention. So, Paso can definitely do its beer. What were some of the profiles that you and your partners wanted to kind of accomplish and, and serve to fans of Calco's beer?
3: Well, I guess the most unique thing for us, and obviously there's some great breweries. We love that, you know, the people around here bringing everyone in from Barrel House to Paso Brew to us and Firestone. The biggest thing for us is we're kind of one of the unique places that hits all across the board. We have lagers, we have the ales, um, but we also have Belgian beers. We got a beautiful Belgian wit um, with that orange peel flavor. And then we we have a, a great selection of the darker classical beers, you know, from the Browns to the Reds to the Porter. We do a stout on Nitro um, and just kind of play uh, pay homage to that history of beer as well. And you'll notice we don't have fancy names on our stuff. We kind of really enjoy the history. So when you come in, you're going to see the IPAs, and we'll have some classical styles of those from the West Coast to the Hazy. But you're going to really notice, unless they, they're named after somebody who inspired us or helped us out, we keep them classic, And they're going to be called Belgian Wit or Golden Strong Ale, you know, which is is a Belgian, to give you a sense of, you know, you're able to learn about the beer and what style that is and why it works for you.
0: You know, events are so huge here now. And you have an event space that not only can accommodate, you know, maybe a private event that someone wants to do at your spot, but you have concerts, musicians who are touring come through. Uh, Why was event space both private and for things like musical, you know, acts? Why was this important to you guys?
3: Oh, we just, we love musicians, you know, they don't make a lot of money, they're artists. Um, Music's been a part of my life, my dad played, you know, like I said, and I play the guitar, and so we really wanted a place where musicians could come and say, man, I love coming here, I get treated well, the fans can see, we have a little mini amphitheater there, you know, a few hundred people can sit at and see the stage and multiple stages so the bands don't have to load in and out for each other, so we really wanted to cater to music, just Downtown, you know, inspired by all the places we've all been, you know, whether it's Nashville or Asheville, North Carolina, or, you know, you travel, there's nothing better than a great band in a local community where you don't have to pay the big ticket prices. You can just come in for free, you know, 95, 99% of our stuff is free. We pay for the bands, pay them well, take care of them, and people get to come listen to great music. It's just it's awesome
0: for folks who have not been to Calco's Beer yet. Let them know where you're located, uh, what kind of things throughout the week, the hours. How can we be a part?
3: We're at 1346 Railroad Street. We're right in downtown Paso Robles. Uh, we're next door neighbors with the backyard there on 13th, but we are downtown Paso, um, a few blocks off the main park, and we're an old auto garage. You'll see two big old white buildings in the front. And you'll be amazed by the view in the back. And we're open every day, seven days a week from 11 to uh, 10 o'clock p.m. on the weekends, live music every Friday, Saturday, Sunday, food on site, uh, wine, beer, everything, just a great time, you know, people find some possibilities around there. The beer brings people in, but, uh, you know, it's the people that keep you coming back. So just just an amazing vibe. And, and you know, you can only find the beer there. So that's kind of unique. We don't distribute. So you got to come and see us to taste it.
0: It's the people that get you coming back. I love that. That is so pass my man. We got Rich Clayton here from Cal Coast Beer. Check them out. What's the website, Rich?
3: Uh, that is at calcoastbeer.com. Easy enough. And you'll enough. see all our events on there. Yep, it'll tell you, welcome to bear territory.
0: I think that this is a mandatory stop either before or after your visit to the California Mid-State
3: Fair. That would be pretty perfect. Awesome. Well, we're looking forward. I'll be there, so come have a pint with me.
0: I love it, man. Rich, thank you so much for sharing uh, on Where Wine Takes You. Appreciate you. Cheers.
3: All right, brother. Cheers. Have a great day.
0: CalCoastBeer.com. Check out the campus and make sure you say... Hi to Rich, Martha, who's ever there. And when you do, let them know you heard them on the Where Wine Takes You podcast. And check out travelpaso.com before your next visit. And thanks to Travel Paso for that Travel Paso spotlight. Well, what a show. Cannot wait for part two of our show with Matt Trevis and Lene Coloto, Also Cliff from Zapeto. We'll learn more about his wines, drink more of his wines next week, and tell you how you can get your hands on some of those brand new wines. The California Midstay Fair is in full effect right now. It is warm in Paso. If you're making your way to the fair, and some folks have already done this. By the time this is publishing, it's like day three of the fair, day three of 12. And some folks have already come up and said, oh, we listen to the podcast. So if you are at the California Midstay Fair, I'll be in Mission Square. Cork Dorks are broadcasting live every afternoon. Come by, say hello, as I would love to meet you. Where Wine Takes You is executive produced by Joel Peterson and Paso Wine. Associate producer is Jen Bravo, and much thanks to Jamie Guzman for fulfillment. The podcast is recorded, edited, and produced by yours truly. Original music, good company, performed by Moonshiner Collective. You can stream their music anywhere, Spotify, you know the deal, and learn more about them online, moonshinercollective.com. They're playing a lot of live dates this summer here. If you're visiting, check out moonshinercollective.com. Highly, highly, highly recommend to see them live. And yes, they have more than one song. Equipment transport and technical consideration provided by Fly With Wine. The next time you're cruising around on the Central Coast, you can tune me in on your radio. My morning show, Up and Adam in the Morning, heard on The Crush 92.5. Got a website, crush, K-R-U-S-H, 925.com. You could stream. Also, you could check out my website, adamontiel.com. Well, it's fair time, so lift that glass up high. I don't care, fill it with some frosé. It is warm outside, baby, but let's toast to staying cool, staying hydrated. That's important. Getting wet, having fun, genuinely and thoroughly enjoying this summer where wine takes you and give me that
3: we'll
1: we'll sound the job is camp out in the trees it will give me that the job is camp out in the trees it will simplify give me that motion, we'll get by, we'll all round till the job is Camped out in the trees, we will simplify in good company. With that moonshine will get by, we pass all around till the job is dry. Camped out in the trees, we will simplify in good company.